Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen and Kyle. Thank you for tuning in with us today, coming to hang out, and thank you for telling all of your weird friends about us to help spread the word. That always helps. Word of mouth is probably our strongest promotion point, so do it to it, Lars. Uh, today I'm going to bring to the table one of, I can't really say favorite because it involves people that disappeared. And that just doesn't seem accurate, but probably the most, one of the most interesting missing person cases that I come across. And it's a uh, century old plus some. So we're going to get into that after I get through all of the business. That being said, check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Search up the Hollow Sky Podcast and come on over there and hang out with us. Share memes, share weird stuff, just build a community. You know the deal. Everybody's welcome. It's a grand time. If you have a weird encounter, a paranormal encounter you'd like to share with us, Kyle's going to tell you how to do it. You can use the Voice Memo app on your smartphone or you can record it as a video you can write the story out and email it to us. The email is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. And I will repeat hollowskypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, not hollowski. Because if you spell it hollowski, you will get the wrong fucking email. And the Hollow Ski Podcast doesn't care about your paranormal experience. That's right. But the Hollow Sky Podcast does. Absolutely. If you listen to us on uh, Apple or iTunes, please take the time to hop on over there and leave us a five-star rating and review. It's pretty much the best way you can help support us. It's pretty simple just to hop over there and do it. And it kind of moves us up through the ranks of their podcast and makes us more available and visible to people looking for dope-ass podcasts, which if you search that, we should pop up hopefully someday. But if you leave us a five-star rating and review, uh, I'll gladly shout you out. Actually, any any of your podcatchers you use, please rate and review us. And if we find it, we will shout it out. Today is the five-star rating and review is brought to us by J-Y-O-N-E-O. Jionio? I apologize if I butchered that. But it says, fills that art bell void. Five stars. Seriously fun podcast. Reminds me of those nights long ago where I'd stay up listening to a fuzzy AM broadcast about ghosts and UFOs. It's a combination of art bells, earnest curiosity about the paranormal, and sitting around a campfire with your buddies trying to weird each other out. It's a great listen, especially when you need an old-fashioned ghost story. Stay weird. Well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, first off. That is probably... The biggest accolade you can give to a paranormal uh, media person, I guess. Art Bell is like the top of the mountain Yeah, when it comes to bringing weird content. I remember being little and staying up late, probably later than I should have, listening to it. Because my dad was an over-the-road trucker. And he always used to listen to it to pass his late nights. So he'd come home telling me all these weird stories about Area 51 and <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch and all this creepy shit. Awesome. So then I would stay up and do it too. So thank you so much. I don't feel like we deserve to be compared no. to our bell. No. But I will fucking take it. Absolutely. <laughs> because it is awesome. 
That's a hella compliment. I can't even. I yep. can't even. That's where no. I'm at. I can't we'll even. take it. We'll definitely take it. Another point of the business I forgot to mention is that we do have a Patreon. If anyone would like to uh, hop on over there and support us in that way and get some goodies in uh, the process, please just check that out if you're interested. Patreon slash Hollow Sky, I think that's how we set it up. I don't remember. I don't know. We also got a Venmo set up if you wanted to do a one-time donation, buy us a monster. You know how that goes. I think it, the Venmo's at Hollow Sky Podcast. So, with that out of the way, we're going to get to our listener experience of the day. This is a doozy. Uh, it is from Dan. It's called Shit That Happened. Okay. I, I, I dig that title. Fucking heavy already. Hell yeah. So to kick things off, I'm sorry if this is long. That being said, I've always believed that good attitude brings good vibes slash things around you, and bad attitudes bring bad vibes slash things around you. I'm a firm believer in your, atti- your attitude draws things towards you. I can agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Kind of like last week's episode, the Wendigo, you know, if you go, or not the Wendigo, but the dog man. Yeah. You go into the woods with a shit attitude, you're going to get eaten. <laughs> you're going to get fucked. Yeah. I mean, you ain't coming out. That's funny how that kind of correlates together. Weird. Anyway, back to the experience. When I was six, my parents got divorced, and it was rough for all of us, as it is for most families, I'd imagine. When I got older, my mom told us about something that happened shortly after the divorce. She woke up in the middle of the night to a scratching sound on the wall outside her bedroom window. Her bedroom window was about six feet off the ground, and she said when she looked out of the window, there was something trying to climb up the wall to get to the window. She never described how it looked to us, but she is a very religious woman and just said without any doubt it was a demon a demon trying to get her. You could see it in her eyes still to this day that she isn't joking. Fast forward to just about five years ago before I was married. I was drinking myself to an early grave. Whiskey and motorcycles, never a good mix. I was and still am living in a home built by my family in the late 1800s that has had family deaths in it. I had a large two-person recliner that I always sat in to watch TV. It looked out into the hallway. That, at the end, goes straight upstairs. I was sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden my dog started growling, staring down the hallway. When I looked, I saw something small and bipedal, maybe two and a half, three feet tall, come out of my dining room on the right side of the hall and run up the stairs. When I went to get up, I felt like I woke up. I don't know how to describe it. It just felt like it was a dream. But the show on my TV was in the exact same spot as my dream, and my dog was still staring down the hallway with the hair on its back raised. I tried to brush it off. That is until about a month later, the girl I was dating at the time was over and we were laying in the recliner watching TV. She had fallen asleep and my phone was laying on the armrest next to or on the chair next to me. This time my dog never moved. It's almost as if time stood still. I've had sleep paralysis before and it felt like that, but I was awake the whole time. The thing came into the room and grabbed me by the ankle. Now's the part where I mentioned that I'm not a small guy. I'm 6'4 and was around 250 pounds at the time. But whatever this was, this little three-foot-tall thing grabbed me around the ankle and started dragging me out of the chair. I couldn't move a muscle. It drugged me far enough that my shoulders were the only thing left on the footrest of the recliner. My arm, which was above my head, happened to get drugged down to the armrest where my phone was. I managed to move my hand a tiny little bit and grab my phone. I think that's what saved me. As soon as I touched my phone, it dropped me and vanished. As soon as that happened, it was like, Life sprung back into play. My girlfriend woke up startled, as did the dog. 
I couldn't get either of them to wake up before with my seemed or seemingly muffled yells. I had a red mark on my ankle and immediately called my uncle, who's a pastor, to come and pray around the house. Yes, at 1130-ish at night. And he did, and everything seemed to calm down. Fast forward a couple years to when I got married. I hadn't had anything that severe happen since, just bumps in the night and stuff moving off the wall of that I was used to in the years that I'd lived there. My wife was walking down the hallway and heard a voice say, We like you. She had turned turned my life around. I no longer drank, etc. I don't know if the voice is connected, but maybe it was my family honestly saying that they liked her because she made me better. Then just a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my mom about the recliner incident. And I knew what I'd seen. So before I told her what I'd seen, I asked her what her demon from years back looked like. It sent chills down my spine when she described almost to a T what I saw in my hallway and grabbing me that night. It was the same as what she had described trying to get into her window. It was around three feet tall, super skinny, but long arms and legs and very large ears. It sounds comical, but if you take the house elf Dobby from Harry Potter and strip him down, that was the body type, but shorter. The only difference in what my mom saw and what I saw is she said hers had big glowing yellow eyes to where mine wasn't really a face. It was more of a blur of faces, as there were many faces in one. I've still never had anything bad like that happen since, and I hope I don't ever. I'll stick with my things being moved and small noises in the house over that any day. Anyway, that's one of my experiences from my younger years. Take her easy, Dan. Holy shit. <laughs> that. Oh, man, there's a lot going on here. Fuck that. Um. Yeah, first off, what Kyle said. Yeah. I feel as if there is a lot of different things going on in your house. Not that you particularly want to hear that, but I feel like, as you stated, you had family members die in the house. And you can, I kind of attribute that to the stuff you have moved around and whatnot. But this dark entity that's getting at you and getting at your mom, that's some next level shit. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and it almost makes you wonder what else is going on because of it if his mom experienced something pretty fucking similar and now he's experiencing it, is there a correlation or is it just uh, that at the particular time they were both just in bad spots in their life? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why why was it there's usually a reason why it circles down where, you know, it'll come from the, the parent than the kid. I, I don't know. It's just weird. And it makes me, that also makes me wonder, like, is it something tied to the land or tied to the house? Very and when, possible. When things do get shitty, you know, you kind of let your guard down, for lack of a better term. And it's almost like these things uh, can notice that and latch onto it. So when you're in a good place, it's like you're emotionally and spiritually strong enough to where these things can't fuck with you. Right. But when you're in shitty places, those are probably the first things that fall to the wayside and then these entities latch onto you. Right. I don't know if it's necessarily demonic. I don't know, dude. The description of the face is pretty fucking yeah, the, scary. The face is all blended into one. That's pretty fucked up. That's scary. Um, I, I have actually talked to Dan since this and I hope I hope he writes in because... He said after he had got to thinking about this and wrote it all down and stated it, 
shit started to kind of pick up again. Oh, fuck. And I can't, I don't want to repeat it because I don't remember it verbatim and I don't want to not do it justice. Yeah. So if he feels the need, Dan, if you think about it and you think it's not going to stir up any more shit at your crib, write down the new stuff that it ha- has been happening and I'd like to share it with everybody. But it's, I bet he would let us go out there and check out check out the house. Fucking cool. Let's go play with demons. Yay. I got a Ouija board. No, I'm good, dog. We could do that. No, I'm good. He probably wouldn't let me use a Ouija board I, in this no, house. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fucking do it in that house. Me there ain't either. no fucking way. That is, I don't know. Nope. I'm sorry. I ain't. I ain't fucking with that type of shit. Guys, fucking no out. fucking way, man. Like I'm good. Like I'm talking. Like you want to talk to a fucking dude down the street, and he just kind of walks through the house constantly. All right, whatever. I'll fuck with that. Or you want to talk to a, a a relative who's passed away? Sure, whatever. But when you purposely, when you purposely want to be a fucking idiot. <laughs> And go into a house with that that's possibly demonic entities. You're like, hey, let's just fucking open the line of communication here. It's fucking going to be smart. (laughs) I love when I just hit the right button and sets it off. Fucking stupid, man. I don't give a shit. No way. What's weird to me is that, yeah, bringing it back around, is that it started out outside the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like out of the house trying to get in. So it doesn't necessarily make me think that it's attached to the family per se, as opposed to possibly the geographic location or Could the be. house. Uh, did any of your, you said that it's been in your family for quite a while. Has any of your other family members, past or present, had any of the negative experiences? Like the moving stuff around and kind of the stuff you consider just common, like like maybe maybe it is your family that has passed on. They're just kind of letting you know, like, hey, we're still here, just chilling, you know, yeah. nothing to be worried about. But I'm wondering if anybody else that's lived there, past or present, has had anything negative. Because those two encounters are definitely... Yeah, Dude, it, it just scared the, way, the shit out of me. The fact that, like, the way he, his dog and his girlfriend just kind of snapped out of it. Yeah. Were they asleep? Oh, yeah. I said she had fallen asleep. That's. But it's still weird how he describes it. Like, it, yeah, the yeah, time yeah. stops and. 100%. Because it, like, the whole time I'm thinking, like, where in the fuck is this thing dragging him to? Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what happened if he wouldn't have broke, broke out of up? whatever happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. Shit's no. bizarre, man. It is. It's terrifying. Uh, yeah. I would. I don't. I and and then another thing, fucking, which I don't understand. I don't. And I'm sorry if I offend you, but uh, my wife sent me something today about how one of her cousins just got a hold of her, <clears throat> and we might be able to talk about it, but it has to do on the same thing where they think that her sister has been. Uh, possessed because there's a lot of weird fucking shit going on. But anyways, when my wife sent me that, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I don't give a fuck if I would go flat broke. There ain't no way I'd be staying in that house ever the fuck again. Ever, I wouldn't. Oh, you have to like, tell in, me in, about in this. this. Particular you didn't even bring case, this up yet. I know. But in this particular <laughs> case, I'd have been in the same way. The, the night that would have happened, I would have packed my fucking shit and left that house. house. Done. 
Yeah. And no, I would, you know, I know that I would never, I would not be able to go back to sleep that night. I would have been up all night long freaking out. I don't even know how I would react because nothing to that extent has ever happened to me. And let's hope that it never does. No, like the the worst I've ever had was sleep paralysis, but that didn't even involve any kind of entity or anything. No. I couldn't fucking imagine. No, I'm good. Like, like good, he's got man. my wheels turning. Where would it have taken him Fuck if that. he didn't bump his phone? I ain't even trying to know. Because you don't know, you don't know the history of the house. You don't know what could have could could have happened in that house. I mean, I don't know the layout of the house, but let's pretend it had a basement. Let's pretend that something bad happened in that basement. Somebody killed somebody in that basement. There's somebody opened a gateway in that basement. I mean, you want to just roll with any scenario? Maybe it was dragging him to that point to relive a section of history, or God knows what. I mean, it's just. The idea of it is just terrifying. It really is. Like, I've had my experiences with what I think is, you know, extraterrestrial related, and I will take those over this any day of the week. Yeah, Brady don't fuck with demons. No, 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 no. Mm. No fucking way. As my good buddy Ghost Hunter Dave said, you can chase ghosts all you want. Don't fuck with the devil. Because the devil will follow you home. There you go. There Shout you go. Shout out to Ghost Hunter Dave. And I ain't, you are, dog. You can't smack a, a fucking demon in the mouth, so. I mean, you could try. You could try, but you're going to fail. If you ain't scared. Well, I'll be scared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dan, for taking the time to write that out. We appreciate we it, brother. Definitely appreciate it. Creepy, creepy definitely ass story. Definitely scary. So if you think about it and you want to entertain the idea of writing in, letting everybody else know what's going on, Please feel free to do that. All right, now to the meat of the episode. Get it. Um, today I take a look at a trio of missing people. This is one of the more interesting disappearances. I guess, like, to a certain extent, it could have an easy, easy peasy solution, but there's a lot of conflicting stories and it has developed a lore within itself that just keeps piling on and piling on and it's just kind of taken off and become its own thing uh as a lot of my close friends know disappearances and missing people are like probably one of my top interests how a human being can just vanish blows my mind like it just like yeah. vanished without a trace. I Especially say. in today's time. Yeah, in today's time, absolutely. But this didn't happen in today's time. This happened a long ass time ago, like in the 1900s. So because there's jump. no there's no CCTVs back then. So, yeah, that's true. And where they were at, there definitely no CCTVs. mystery solved. So today I'm going to bring you the story. It's pretty uh, popular. It's the missing lighthouse keepers of Elian Moore or the Flannan Isles. So 20 miles off the coast of Lewis, Scotland, which is or 20. Hold on. Let me restart my notes. Just 20 miles off the coast of Lewis, Scotland's largest western isle, lie the Flannan Isles, a group of rocky uninhabited islands, sometimes referred to as the Seven Hunters. With the harsh Atlantic Ocean to the west, the isles are said to be some of the UK's most exposed the ocean is particularly treacherous around the isles, with the oceans unleashing waves over 50 feet, sometimes as high as 100. 
those are big fucking waves. Well, Kyle. I was using to say, you definitely know it's a place I ain't fucking with. Oh, Kyle hates the ocean. If there's one thing Kyle hates more than demons, yeah. it's the ocean. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, despite this and the treacherous weather and it just being big rocks out in the middle of nowhere, shepherds believed that the isle had uh, particularly positive effects on their herds. They there are reports that the sheep the sheep who ate the grass there were more prone to give birth to twins. Hmm. Interesting. And they also are said to have been cured of any illness that might alien, ail them. So this gave a reason for the shepherds to often sail to the Flannan Islands. But even these positive effects on their herds did not warrant the shepherds to to want to ever stay overnight on the isles. Because that's weird. They're rumored to be haunted by spirits. Well, and it, you know, before you take off, there's two two separate things that I thought about is I'm sure I don't have the knowledge to find it, but is it possible that ley lines ran through the, ran through the area? Oh, I didn't even think to check it. And then but probably Another thing that is interesting is a lot of people, when it, especially when it comes to the spirit realm and stuff like that, water generates energy. You know, it, ha- it has that yeah. like a gateway effect yeah. to bring That's bring forth true. things. So there's there's two things right there that are you know interesting to look at. That is true. Um, my sources for this, interestingly enough, if anybody watches BuzzFeed. Uh, those two paranormal guys just released, as I was doing my research, I'm like, man, I'm stoked on this. It's one of my favorite stories. So I go to YouTube channels and stuff and kind of gather stuff from other people and all this good stuff. They had released uh, an episode covering it the exact day, which was yesterday, the 16th, that I was doing my research on it. So I'm like, now everybody's going to think that I just straight stole their idea. Fuck it. But whatever, since this will be out like seven weeks later. Yeah. But the Isle of Elan Moor is basically just a big-ass rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's not very... I mean, it's big rock, but it's not that big. It's 600 yards by about 200 yards wide. So... I mean, yeah, it's it's big. It's a good size, but it ain't like Hawaii or anything. No. Uh, On it, interestingly enough, are several ancient structures. There are small stone huts and a chapel, the Chapel of St. Flannan which is where the Isles got their name. So there was also an old stone That's church that had dilapidated. So now you've got, in addition to the possible ley lines and stuff like that, now you have old school stuff coming into history. play. Yeah, you got the history coming into play, yeah. which is interesting. So you got this you got this magical island with magical grass and all of this ancient structures. So what, what do they think? They're like, you know what would be a good idea? Let's build a lighthouse on it. Because it's going to be magic. Yeah, so in 1896, after several shipping accidents and the constant state of the hazardous seas, the Board of Trade sanctioned the construction of a lighthouse on the largest isle, which is Elon Moor. Constructing the lighthouse was not an easy task as the sea was rarely calm and they had often had to blast away the craggy rocks to get it flat enough to erect cranes to help build the lighthouse. After four years in 1899... Well, yeah, 1896, 1899, almost four years. The lighthouse was finally finished. It was built of stone to withstand the constant barrage of the Atlantic Ocean, and it was 76 feet tall, had a 140,000 candle power lamp on top that was capable of being seen over 24 nautical miles. They also constructed two landing places for receiving supplies, basically boat landings on the west side of the island and the east side of the island. 
where they can be used depending on the weather. If it's the sea was hard, rough on the west side, they could go right. to the east side. East side, dog. <laughs> <laughs> the lighthouse had four keeper keepers assigned to it. James Ducott, Thomas Marshall, Donald MacArthur, and Joseph Moore. They worked staggered rotation shift of six weeks on, two weeks off. That way there was always three men on the island. It said the reasoning for the staggered ship was to always have one man on shore and three on the island, as it was believed that one man on the island could go mad. Being there by himself for, for six weeks, he would just go crazy. Mm, maybe. Two men on the island could get sick of each other and kill one another. But three men on the island was the perfect dynamic to keep it functional for long periods of time. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I also used Emily G. Thompson's book, Mysteries Un- Uncovered, and she stated that there's actually some factual basis to this four-man rotation. She states, The reasoning had a solid basis in past experience. In 1801, tragedy had befallen two keepers, Thomas Howell and Thomas Griffith, at the Smalls Lighthouse 25 miles off the coast of Pembrokeshire, Wales. Griffith died following an accident, and Howell was left to fend for himself alone with the decomposing corpse. The two men were well known for their fierce arguments, so Howell was fearful of disposing of the body by throwing it into the sea, believing that he would be accused of murder. He constructed a makeshift coffin, which he secured to a rail outside the lighthouse. The wild weather tore it open, and Griffith's decomposing arm flapped against the lighthouse window. Freak storms prevented this relief ship from reaching the lighthouse for weeks, by which time Howell's mental and physical sufferings had caused him to lose his mind. Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> that would be terrible. If, I mean, I know it sounds shitty, but I probably would have just chucked him in the water. Just dumped him, yeah. Like, after, if it started fucking with my psyche that much to where I started just going crazy, I'd be like, dude, you're going in the water. I'm just say deuces, I'm out. Like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, well, if, if tables were turned, chuck me in the water, I guess. I'm already gone. I ain't got no difference. Yeah. Kyle, if we're ever on a lighthouse and I die, you can either eat me or dump me. Hey, Hollow Colt. The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience like it so just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin hollow sky branded boots how awesome would that be nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots if you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'll probably dump you. All right. I'm not really big into trying to eat stuff, eat people. There's one so. thing I hate about the Midwest. It's all the damn cannibals. Um, I'm not a cannibal, so <laughs> I don't have that. All right. Back to my story here. Uh, the three men stationed on the island at the time of the occurrence were Ducat, 43 years old. He was the principal keeper of the lighthouse, a husband, a father of four children, and he had 20 years lighthouse keeping experience. Damn, so he's OG. Yeah, he knows his shit, right? Next is MacArthur, 40-year-old occasional keeper, and his fate would have it, was covering for the first assistant keeper who was out on sick leave. Then there was Marshall, who was the youngest of the crew at 28, the second assistant keeper. Moore was the man that was not on the island at the time, as it was his two weeks off. Some of the duties shared by the keepers were to trim the wicks, oil the machinery, and keep the tower in repair between visits of their supply ship, the Hesperus. This ship's weather permitting arrived every 20 days to bring the new light keeper to the island with his provisions and retrieve the rotating keeper for his break. So I included all of their time and stuff just to kind of show that these dudes knew what the fuck they were doing. 20 years as a lighthouse keeper, you probably tend to know your shit. Yeah. So you there's there's probably between all four of them there's probably fifty years experience of lighthouse keeping. Yeah, I was gonna say you know being four years on a job you should probably be pretty decent at yeah. what you do at that point. Yeah, the first reported sign that something was wrong was around midnight on December fifteenth, nineteen hundred. The steamship Arctur passed the island. Captain Holman of the Arctur noted that he could not see the light even though the conditions should have allowed him to. When the Arctur arrived in port, Captain Holman reported the lack of light to port but Port never communicated it to the Northern Lighthouse Board. First mistake. Yeah, definitely. Then the day after Christmas, the supply ship, the Hesperus, made its way to Elon Moore for its routine supply stop, as well as bringing Christmas gifts and cards from their families on shore. As the ship neared the aisle, Captain James Harvey noticed the first sign that something was amiss. There was no flag on the flagpole. Then he noticed that none of the provision boxes were staged to be switched out. So when they ran out of stuff, they'd bring their boxes down, and then they would either refill them or just swap them for a new one. So that's the second red flag. He's like, all right, they didn't put their flag up. Maybe it got blown away in a storm. Something weird's going on. So then they didn't see their boxes. They're like, maybe they forgot today was the day to do the swap. The biggest red flag was that the two that two of the three keepers were not down there to greet them, which was part of the normal routine. From there, the Hesperus blew her horn, blew her whistle, and fired a flare to try to get the attention of the three keepers. Joseph Moore was the, the fourth keeper, was on board of the Hesperus to be switched out. So a boat was launched with with him in it to go check out the island. It landed at Elon Moore's East Landing. 
Moore climbed more than 160 steps to reach the lighthouse station. Upon arriving, he noted that the entrance, entrance gate was closed, the outside doors were closed, the door beyond that was closed, but the door to the kitchen was open. The fireplace had not been lit for several days, despite the cold temperatures of, of December in Scotland. He also noticed that all of the clocks in the lighthouse had stopped at the exact same time. That's interesting. Fucking weird, right? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Moore then went on to check the sleeping quarters, where he found the beds made and untouched. He states, I entered the rooms in succession, found the beds empty, just as they left them in the early morning. Upon finding no trace of his workmates, Moore's concern began to grow, so he rode back to the he- rode back to the Hesperus to gather more men to help him investigate and look for his co-workers. Two men went back to the aisle to help him search. They found the lamp for the lighthouse to be in good condition and working order, but they had no clue as to what happened to the rest or to the missing men. Captain Harvey of the Hesperus sent a telegram to the mainland that was forwarded to the National Lighthouse Board. It read. A dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the occasional, which I'm assuming is uh, MacArthur, have disappeared from the island. On arrival this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was made, managed to land more. We went to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that an accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I left Moore, McDonald, Bowie Master, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. How would you like to be these poor fucks? Fuck that. They go to the island... And they're like, oh, the last three dudes on here disappeared, but we're going to leave you here to take <laughs> over. So I, know, I think at that point I would have been like, yeah, I quit. Yeah. Just, take me back. I'm going to row back to shore. Yeah. Take me back. So Moore discovered the daily record slate with the last entry being made at 8 a.m. on December 15th. It is assumed that men vanished shortly after this time as the Arctur would sail by later that night and note that the light of the lighthouse was not lit. Saturday's work at the lighthouse and in the living quarters had been completed. The lamps had been trimmed, ready to be lit, and the oil fountains and canteens were full. But from here, things started to get even more weird. According to the official report, the kitchen was clean and tidy, the dishes washed and put away. But according to other reports that were there on the island, a meal of salted mutton and boiled potatoes laid half-eaten on the table, and a chair had been toppled toppled over on the floor. Almost like someone had rushed the fuck out of there in the middle of their dinner. It was also rumored that Moore had a key to the the door to get into the lighthouse. And it was stated that the door had been locked from the inside. So to get in, he had to unlock the door. That's strange. While searching the lighthouse, they discovered the Ducat and Marshall sea boots and oil skins, what men wear out to the ports in rough weather, were missing but MacArthur's oil skin was still hanging on its hook. There's kind of a rule of lighthouse keeping that states only two men are to be allowed outside at any given time. That way, one man is always left inside to make sure the lamp is in working order. This led to speculation that Ducat and Marshall had went outside while MacArthur left to tend the lamp. The next day, Moore and the other men set out to see if they can uncover any other clues as to the whereabouts of the keeper. They set out to investigate the East Landing, 
where they had docked to come aboard the island. They found nothing amiss, everything as it should be, and perfectly fine. From there, they made their way to the West Boat Landing. Whole different story on the West Landing. The West Boat Landing was extremely damaged, seeming... There was seeming evidence of strong winds or massive waves. The keepers kept a large wooden crate tucked into a crevice on the west landing. It contained ropes, crane handles, and other necessities. It was nowhere to be found, and the searchers had assumed that it had been washed away. The ropes were eventually found strewn about on the rocks. The large iron railings around the landing had massive damage, with some of them completely missing. Also, on top of the island, there was a large boulder, almost a landmark's a landmark for the island. Huge-ass boulder. They said this boulder had been washed off the top of the island and now lay down on the west landing. Dang. But the crazy shit is, is all of this damage was reported in the logs. So it had to have happened before they disappeared. Right. So now they can't attribute this to the disappearance either. Another ominous piece of missing equipment was a life preserver that resided on the top of the island 110 feet above sea level. It stated, however, that the ropes were still in place, so it had not, and I quote, had not been removed by any human, insinuating that a massive wave or something else had taken it from the island. According to the reports, the weather logs had been updated until December 12th by Ducat, after which Marshall took over. However, these logs have since went missing, leading to speculation of a possible cover-up. The logs had allegedly stated, December 12th, gale north by northwest, sea lashed to a fur, never seen such a storm, waves very high, tearing at the lighthouse, everything's in ship shape, James Ducat is irritable, storm still raging, wind steady, storm bound, cannot go out, ship Passing, sounding foghorn. Could see the cabin lights. Ducat quiet. MacArthur crying. December 13th. Storm continued through the night. Wind shifted north by north or west by north. Ducat quiet. MacArthur praying. There was no entry for the 14th, but there was an undated entry, presumably the next day. Noon, gray daylight, me, Ducat, and MacArthur praying. 1 p.m. Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. So, Moore is stated to say that all of his counterparts, his co-workers, were pretty rugged, hardy dudes. And he said the fact that they wrote down that they were crying and praying, he said they were not p- prone to pray. He'd never seen any of them pray. He said if it got to a point to where they were praying, shit was probably bad. Oh, I'm sure. I could, I could fucking imagine. I was going to say, imagine how scary that would be out there just having a storm like that just pulling you and you're there's nothing you can do you can't run yeah you just gotta hope that everything hangs on yeah it's fucking crazy the logs are peculiar because the mention of the low morale due to the strong storms in the area no storms have been reported in the area that day leading to two possible conclusions that the storms were so localized that it didn't affect those on shore or possibly that psychosis had taken over and that the three lighthouse keepers were hallucinating the storms. That's interesting. And it's stated in some of the accounts that people on shore of Lewis Island said not only was there no storms, but it was exceptionally clear visibility 
the days that they were supposed to have went missing. Like they could see different uh, things on the island that they normally didn't see. Like maybe they could see the the remnants of the chapel or they could have seen right. the big rock. So if these storms were raging and it was so horrible, it didn't, it wasn't the same as what people were seeing from the shore. Right. Uh, okay, so essentially the keepers were just stranded on the island because there was no radio contact. So they thought, we're going to develop a way to signal someone if if they need help. So they hooked up this, they rigged up this pole with large steel balls on it to where they could move it in front of the lamp and oh, gotcha. signal a guy that was paid to hang out to make sure that they were good. So one of these watchers was actually paid by the National Lighthouse Board to keep an eye on the lighthouse for any such distress signal. The man was Roderick McKenzie. He was located 18 miles to the southeast of the island on Gallon Head. He was paid eight pounds a year to keep note as to if he could see the light or whether he had seen any signals during the day. When questioned, he admitted that he had not been able to see the actual lighthouse tower from December 7th to 29th. He had seen the light on the 12th, but not again until Moore lit it on the 26th. He had stated the lack of light concerned him, but he didn't notify anyone of the absent light. Good job. Motherfucker, you had one job. Yeah. You the only that up. job you had was to tell somebody if the light wasn't on. <laughs> right. And you fucked it up. Yep. Good job, buddy. Good He's like, job. you know what? I'm just going to wait and see, you know, like two weeks to see if it comes back on. They're probably good. It's probably going to be good. Which this is conflicting too to me because he said he couldn't see the lighthouse. Right. But people on the other side. Like, so they could. Yeah, to the other direction, perfectly see the lighthouse. So I don't know. All we know is that those three men disappeared and they have never been found. No bodies had been found to this day. They didn't wash up and they weren't found on the island. It's kind of, I mean, unless they got in a undercurrent or something, but it is kind of curious that the bodies don't ever wash up if the storms are that bad because... You know, you're not that far off of shore, and you'd think if the if the water's constantly hammering the shore, that it would eventually push the bodies toward shore. In a way, you know, that's yeah. the way my mind would go with yeah, that. Yeah, you would think so, especially they're not. I mean, they're, they're kind of far off, but they're not too far off. You, I don't know. I don't know how the ocean works. Me either. The ocean's fucking crazy. It's so I stupid. Strung a bunch of theories together. That's the initial history. Like that's that's the information that I gathered from it. So I strung a bunch of theories together to kind of put out there to see what you guys think or to see what Kyle thinks. So I'm going to start with natural occurrences. So first thing, right off the rip, what everybody thinks is a rogue wave. So it's like, that would have to be a big fucking wave. Right. Because the island is 110 feet off of the, off, off of the sea level. Yeah. 110 foot wave is a fucking monster. Absolutely. But as crazy as that sounds, it's reported that waves of even larger proportions have hit the lighthouse since. One repeat, repeat, one reportedly splashed the actual lamp of the lighthouse, which is 300 feet above the sea level. The keeper, yeah, that happened in the 1950s, and the keeper was actually almost washed away while trying to photograph the monstrous wave. But the thing is, for me here is that if the weather is that shitty, like you are on an island in a stone lighthouse, 300 feet above sea level, built to withstand 
these these type of occurrences. Right. Why in the hell wouldn't you just stay in the lighthouse? Oh, I would have. There's no way I would have gone outside. You know what I mean? It'd have been like, Kyle, we need to check the docks. I'd be like, Fuck bitch, too. bitch, we you can need wait to two go days. check. Yeah, you need to go check the, st- the docks. Yeah. I'm not going out there. Another uh, theory is that the men could have been blown off the island. The winds do get treacherous and treacherous here in the nearby area of uh, the butt of Lewis, which is just north of Elon Moore, was actually considered by the Guinness Book of World Record to be the windiest place in the UK. In 1990, a gust of over 161 miles per wow. hour was recorded. So that's more than enough to oh, knock yeah. a man off his feet. For sure. Um, another theory is that while out checking on storm damage, a second, like a first rogue wave came through, fuck shit up. Right. Two of the keepers go out to check it out. Second rogue wave goes through, Takes fucks them, them up. The guy staying in the lighthouse... Assumably, MacArthur sees the second wave hit, goes out to check out his buddies. Third group of waves goes through. Right. They're all fucked. Um, another similar theory to that is that one of the keepers may have accidentally fell, fallen overboard, and the other two just perished attempting to save him. We it's don't, possible. We, you, you can speculate on the circumstances. Right. Could have been anything. Another theory is that one of the keepers suffered a mental breakdown from the low morale, hallucinated the storms, and killed the other two men. After kind of coming out of it, he realized what he'd done, so from there, he possibly killed himself. Possibility. Or one of the keepers could have went mad from the isolation and just ran off the island, and the other two keepers possibly perished trying to save him. You would think there would be, like, the the... Some sort of protocol. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if one dude goes in the water, you're like, okay, you can try to save him by doing this, this, and this, but don't... Don't only, get crazy. Only risk so much, you know? Yeah, don't go. Don't get crazy. Some of these can be uh, kind of marked off because there was no signs of scuffle or violence to be found inside the lighthouse. A si- I mean, it almost depends on what... You- like, the chair knocked over could have been a sign of scuffle. Could have been. But if there's three grown men fighting, there's going to be a lot more than a knocked over chair. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. So it kind of eliminates some of those. Now we get to my favorite, which are the supernatural theories. Let's go. These are dope. So we're going to start off with Spirits of the Isle. The Isle had a reputation of being odd and having otherworldly inhabitants well before the lighthouse was ever erected. Could, said spirits, have become vengeful and considered the building of the lighthouse uh, uh, as, like, disrespect? Possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a disturbance to the island? Could they have possessed and caused the men to go mad? Maybe. Especially since uh, the old sheep herders or whatever... They refuse to stay there all night long. Yeah, like, I don't There is a reason why they wouldn't do that. Probably because of fucking big-ass waves. Probably. But there is, a, there is a lot of lore saying that there were spirits on the island. People had seen spirits on the island. And there are modern accounts of people hearing men yelling, men screaming from the island. Some people even say they hear the names of Ducat... Uh, MacArthur and can't remember the other guy's name right off the rip. 
anyway, yeah, Ducat, MacArthur, and Marshall being yelled across the island. So there is there is definitely a supernatural kind of uh, history there. Next, Kyle is going to be stoked on this one, and so is my oldest boy. Possible water sprites or mermaids lured the men off the island. There are numerous legends of water sprites in Scotland, such as the Blue Men of the Minch, also known as Storm Kelpies. They're said to reside in the waters of the northern outer, outer Herbides and in mainland Scotland, which is exactly where the Flannan Islands are located. They are said to spend their time looking for sailors to drown and to coax boats onto the rocks and sink the ships. I pulled this from Wiki about Blue Men of the Minch because I'd never heard it before. So, Wikipedia. Apart from their blue color and green hair, the mythical creatures look much like humans and are about the same size. They have the power to create storms, which kind of leads to the big-ass storms right there nowhere else. Right, yeah, for sure. When the weather is fine, they float sleeping on or just below the surface of the water. The Blue Men swim with their torsos raised out of the sea, twisting and diving as porpoises do. They are able to speak, and when a group approaches the ship, its chief may shout out two lines of poetry to the master of the vessel and challenge him to complete the verse. If the skipper fails in that task, then the Blue Men will attempt to capsize the ship. The ship. That's fucking weird. I know I've heard that before too, somewhere. Yeah. Like the BuzzFeeds guys put it the best way, and they're like, all right, so you encounter these dudes, and their leader challenges you to a rap battle, and if you fail, they sink your fucking boat. Right, yeah. It is bizarre. But, I mean, like I say with everything, these these little nuggets of lore have to come from something. You know what I, I mean? I agree 100%. So, I don't know. It's weird. Now we got my favorite one. Fucking UFOs. Right. 100% UFOs. Scotland is definitely no stranger to UFO sightings and alien encounters. The Livingston incident is one of the more famous UFO encounters to date. Um, I was going to go into that, but the more I looked into it, I might just do a whole episode on it. So I'm going to leave that there. There are also areas known as the Falkirk Triangle. It's another hotbed of UFO activities. According to the news outlets of the Scotman, in 2010, the Ministry of Defense released a report recounting that a traffic controller at Glasgow's Presswick Airport had tracked a fast-moving, unexplained UFO on the airport radar. Then in 2003, another incident of an unexplained object harassing a plane was near the airport. So, UFOs have been kind of a thing in Scotland for a minute now. And when you have men that just disappeared, it, it in my brain, I always think of the abduction scene from Fire in the Sky, just yeah, sucking them up without a trace. The fact that a life preserver was missing 110 feet up on the side of the cliff, and it was stated, and I quote, had not been removed by human hands, also made me go right to UFOs. And the big kicker is, what better way to attract weird lights in the sky than to build than a giant, a light giant fucking light in the sky? <laughs> That's a good point. You're just whipping it around signaling yep. them motherfuckers. Come and get it, boys. Yep. Free lunch. Yep. So that essentially is my uh, little take on the Flannan Islands incident, the Elon Moore Lighthouse Keepers. There are no answers, so to speak. And to this day, it's still a mystery. 
Chances are, was it probably a big-ass wave? Probably. Something probably went down, and they just kind of threw all protocol to the side, trying to look out for one another, and a series of unfortunate events most likely took them out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm vibing the uh, UFO one or the rogue wave situation. Yeah, I knew I threw UFOs in there, and I did a little sidetracking to see how much UFOs was going on in Scotland. So, so well, I mean, and that. when you first started out, that that was where my my gut went. Whenever you said that the lighthouse thing door had been locked from the inside, and it was still locked, like that's fucking weird. It is weird, and the the fact, like. Some of it is like a weird lore speculation type of thing. Like we have this report, but we have this report. But in all the reports, I saw that the clock stopped at the same time. That is that's fucking weird too. Like no, like the wave didn't damage the lighthouse. Right. They could have just stayed in the fucking lighthouse, and it yeah. sure as fuck didn't hit it hard enough to stop all the clocks. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. It's just a dope ass, weird ass story. It's strange, dude. Like and the clock and the door, the clocks especially, like that. That's a hard one to explain. Yeah, and and if the meals were half eaten, like shit had to go down quick. Yeah, for them to be like, I'm gonna put my mutton aside, or whatever the hell he was eating. Forgot what it was. I think it my was potatoes, like, and my salted salt and mutton or whatever. Yeah, it was. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw these to the side and I'm gonna go outside and see what the fuck's going on. Chances are he saw Odds a are. UFO. Odds are he should have just sat there and finished your dinner. Yeah. Maybe he saw a UFO riding a rogue wave. Uh, that's probably about right. That's it. Yep. Figured this one out, boys. Because at first when I was in, like, because I'd heard other podcasts do it and I'd watched other YouTube videos on it. And when they found all the damage on the West port or the West boat landing, I thought, dude, they were out there doing some shit and that wave hit it. But then they're like, this was already all logged. So I'm like, Huh. So, Motherfuckers disappeared after this shit right. went down. And I don't know. The fact that the that the logs went missing afterward, like that's yeah, fucking it's also weird. weird. So And then then on top of that, the islanders could see the island. There was no reports of storms. Yeah. But but the old boy that they paid to keep an eye on the island couldn't see the island. That old boy probably wouldn't even... He probably never once paid no. attention to that fucking no. lighthouse. He was probably paying attention to whiskey. Most likely. <laughs> He's like, eight pounds a year for me to just fucking sit out here? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm gonna get trashed. <laughs> He's like... So I checked this lighthouse three and a half weeks ago and there's a light on. <laughs> I don't know about the mother damn days. Yeah, I, I was out there and I saw a light on. I'm too busy trying to keep the lights on in my own motherfucking house. And in my own head. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I don't even know where I was going there. I got nothing But yeah Take a look into that That's good. The, his, the history and stuff Is pretty much all set in stone But you don't know Like There is isn't, there is no answer It's probably aliens it's, It kind of sucks that the boat that found out that they were missing Was the same boat that was bringing the Christmas gifts for them From their families Yeah That's pretty shitty Yeah it is shitty They didn't even get to open the dope shit Probably orange slices. Sucks, man. So, yeah. That'll wrap that up for today on my missing person little story there. Check us out at all our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Come hang out with us. Just be a big happy family. Everybody welcome. And until we meet again, 
stay safe, stay weird, and if the sea kelpies try to lure you in to the ocean, your rap game better be strong. So we'll see you next week.